You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. All right, welcome everyone. I'm so excited you're here. I get to introduce to you a young man. Uh, He moved here actually in August from Illinois, and when I heard that, I immediately asked him if he was a Bears fan, and he wisely refused to answer, so, so I like him. So... Tonight, we have a young man on fire for God, and I'm really excited to introduce to you Samuel Snyder. So Sam, get up here, give him a big round of applause. All right, good morning, everybody. Not tonight, like David said. (laughs) And like David said, I'm Sam, just moved here last year, and Refuge Student Ministries has impacted me so much, and I've grown so much in my faith with God. So, I'm not Pastor Matt, obviously. I'm not quite as tall, and I'm not near as good looking. But I still have some humor for you this morning. (laughs) So one Sunday, a pastor just finished giving a very dry, long, and boring sermon. And a visitor was in town, and he visited the church. The pastor announced, after service, there will be a board meeting. I expect all board members to attend. And this visitor came to the meeting. The pastor says, excuse me, sir, I'm not sure I know you. And the guy says, no, I'm a visitor, but I just wanted to see if anybody else was as bored as I was. Ouch. (laughs) So on to the message. Today I'm going to be talking to you all about God's unconditional love for us. And I'll start by sharing a verse that we should all know. And that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We see in this verse that God's love has no bound. He would give his only son, Jesus Christ, to die the most brutal death anyone could imagine. With nails through your hands and through your feet, feet, (laughs) and a crown of thorns. It's just I can't even imagine how painful that death would have been. But I can't imagine how much God loves us because he sent his son to or go through that ordeal for us, us sinners. So I guess next we'll move on to Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. It says, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted, but they who faint for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So sometimes in our walks in faith, we may feel weary or we may fall down sometimes. We all stumble. We're all sinners. And even if we're not, we don't have a walk of faith going. We may feel depressed or sad or like we can't even do this or that, but God loves us so much that he's willing to give us strength and renew us every day. Then it says in 1 John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So no matter what oppresses us in this world, no matter what sin, no matter what shame, no matter what guilt we feel, God is so much bigger, and he has an amazing plan for us. No matter what it is that will try to bring us down, our God is bigger, and he can pull us up. 
So now I'd like to tell you a story maybe some of you have heard. But there was once a father with two sons. One son came to him one day, and he said, Father, I'd like my share of my inheritance today. And the father, being the loving father that he was, decided to let his son go on this path, and he gave him his inheritance. This son then went off to live in some big city and do crazy things. While he was there, he squandered all his money on foolish things. And after he had lost everything, really, to gambling, to prostitution, to drinking, whatever it was that he did there, he lost it all. So he ended up getting a job as a pig farmer. And as this pig farmer, he just had nothing. He was there sitting with the pigs, his only friends, contemplating eating the corn cobs in their slop. See, this is a point where we get to sometimes. We may feel so down or like we've lost everything that we get to the, what he does next. He says, even my father's servants have it better than this. They have more than enough bread to eat, and they do not lie with pigs. See, sometimes we just have to get to this point where we realize God is the only way, and I have to get back to him. So this son travels back to his father, and he plans to go, you know, Dad, I've messed up. Please take me on as your servant. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But he doesn't get to that point. His father sees him coming, and he runs to him and embraces him with open arms, just like God will do for us. God sees us struggling in this world, and because of his immense love for us, he won't just let us fall down or continue on a bad path. His love is so overpowering, and it is just such an amazing thing that he won't just wait at the house or in heaven for us to get to him. He will come into the world, and he will help us. So the son gets home. He exchanges an apology with his father, and the dad says, son, I love this. He says, son, sorry. He says, son, I won't take you on as my servant. He calls his servants. He kills the fattened calf. He puts on the best robe and the best ring on his son, and they throw this ginormous party because one man came home and was saved. But then his brother came, and he says, Father, haven't I worked for you all my life, and never have I gotten a party? And the father says, Because my son was dead, and he's now alive again, and he has returned to us, I throw this party. See, that brother is kind of like us other Christians. We... We need to be happy for those who get saved, not, God, why didn't you bless me? I've been serving you all my life. No, if one person gets saved, that's what we need to rejoice over. Because God's love is alive, and it is working in this world. So, I'll move on to just, no matter what you've done, like what the boy did in that big city, God will always accept you. And Christ loves you so much that his love, his love will never let you down. And he'll always accept you no matter what you've done. I don't care what was in your past. I don't care what's in your present. God is here with open arms ready to accept you. So Romans 8.37 says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us.
See, he loves us so much that he won't just protect us, he'll give us the tools to fight for ourselves. He's not just this father who will always protect us, he is that, but he'll, he's also a father who gives us the weapons to fight for ourselves. He, give us, he gives us the Bible, he gives us his Holy Spirit, he gives us this church where we can come and be revived every Sunday so we can go out into the world and save other people. So if God loves us so much, what right do we have to not love others? I'd just like to leave you this Sunday with a charge that knowing how much God loves you, that should make you want to go and love others. Don't be the person who doesn't help the old lady across the street because he's busy. Don't be the person who doesn't go to church on Sunday because they're just too busy. Know that God loves you so much, and if he loves you that much, what right do you have not to love him and to love others? All right, I'd like to just thank you all for listening, and at this time, I'll welcome David back up. There's been kind of an interesting problem I view in the world, in that this most recent generations, we've been too busy telling people what they can think or what they can't think, that we haven't been teaching people how to think. And the result has been devastating to, to the church. As we go out, kids go out, they go to college, and all of a sudden cha people challenge what they're thinking, and they have no reason behind their thinking. And we're seeing so many of our kids fall away. So at RSM, we believe that we want to train these kids up and teach them how to think. Because we, anyone could just write out a list, type out a list, do this, don't do this, do that. Just write out a big old booklet and hand it out to them. Okay, you're good. No, that's not good. We want to teach them because if you only know what, and God is calling for your obedience, you can only give blind obedience to God. But, you know, blind obedience, there may be points in our lives where we're not sure completely what's going on, and we do have to follow God without knowing, but God doesn't just want blind obedience. God wants us to learn the reasons for what he's asking us. He wants our will to line up with his will, our thoughts to line up with his thoughts, our heart to line up with his heart, our passions to line up with his passion, and our purpose to line up with his purpose. Another devastating thing that's happened as a result of people not knowing how to think is that people end up making wrong conclusions about God. And there's so many people out there, if they only knew God, if they knew the God that Sam talks about, this all-loving God, this amazing God, the only possible response would be praise and worship. But because... But there's so many people out there. No one hates God for who he is. But there's millions upon millions of people who hate God for what they think he is. There are so many people out there, and we need to be training up people and teaching them the truth. And I know personally, growing up when I was their age, I wasn't spending time preaching in a service, getting ready to to take part of anything of service. No, I was spending time, I remember this, calculating. I was a, I was a math guy. I like math. Anyone else like math? Maybe? Yes? A few of you? Willing to admit it? 
We might get beat up by everyone else after. Um, but anyways, I liked math, so I decided, you know what? I didn't, I didn't like this God that I had in my head, this wrong th- assumptions about God. So I calculated how much time I'd spent in church. And my goal was to go to my mom and shock her with, oh my gosh, I made him do all this time in church. So I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I've given this much time to God. Look at all this time. And she was quiet, but thankfully there was an elderly, astute old lady who said to me, well, very good, David. Now calculate how much time God has given you. And that, I was completely humbled in that moment. I would spent all this time figuring it out. And that's a lesson I've taken on with me throughout my life. So when I hear that there's need of, of more volunteers, there's need of people to willing to serve in church, I don't consider, oh my gosh, how much time is this going to cost me? I look at how much time God has given me. I keep things in perspective. When I end up giving, I'm not trying to count up how much I'm giving God and think about how much that's cost me. I try to think about how much God's given me. And if something God asks me to do is uncomfortable, I try to think about how comfortable that cross would have been. I try to think about how uncomfortable the hell he saved me from is. And at any time when I think my sin, my struggles, my addictions, they're too big. As Sam said, we have a God that's bigger. We have a God that's so much bigger. We need to keep things in perspective. So if we don't know how to think, only what to think. The problem is, is that we're going to start deciding what the truth is. And growing up, I had this dilemma where I didn't believe in God. So I fully believed that when we died, there was nothing left. Nothing would happen. You'd just die. That was it. But at the same time, for whatever reason, I believed that it was possible to for people to die and become ghosts and haunt things. If I was looking for someone to debate, I'd just go and find myself, I guess. Completely contradictory things. And the problem is that truth is not decided, it's discovered. If you don't believe me, ask your math teacher when you're trying to find X. You can't just decide what it is, you have to search out and discover it. And likewise, Our purpose isn't something we decide. It's something we discover. Our purpose that we have in God. God has a purpose for us, for our lives. And what we have to decide isn't what it is, but whether or not we're going to follow it. Whether or not we're going to be obedient to God and the purpose he has for our lives and how he would have us serve. Pastor Matt often talks about how he was obedient to God. God called him back to his home city, which he really didn't want. But as a result of it, we have the youth right now rising up. We have souls being saved in the city. We have thousands of people in Africa and throughout the world hearing God's word. And I know there's been times where God's purpose hasn't been the thing I necessarily wanted to do. At one point, God called me actually to work at a prison with the mentally insane prisoners which 
didn't seem like it has a purpose, but that helps me deal with your teenagers. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Some of them are great. No, they're, they're all good. They're great. I really do have a great group of teens here. So I was watching a TV show, and I remember one of the small children had this dilemma of purpose, and he's like, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? And throughout this TV show, the parents struggled, everyone struggled, and in the end, they could give no answer. It's interesting that for Christians, it was for me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. Purpose to, is to obedient to obedient, be obedient to the all-loving God, and to see where in what capacity He would have us serve. And we just need to discover what that purpose is in our life. We need to seek it out, and and so our students also need to discover what that purpose is. So in order to get, allow them to discover that, we need to enable them. To discover what the purpose is. We need to equip them and give them opportunities. So that's why coming up, we're actually having a missions trip that some of our youth are going to be taking part of. And uh, for this mission trip, it's to New Orleans. We're actually working on Hurricane Katrina cleanup. And believe it or not, there's still a big mess from Katrina. And believe it or not, there's still people in New Orleans that need Jesus. So we're going to be going down there, giving these students an opportunity to discover their purpose or to serve the purpose of God. And as much as I'd like to tell you that this is a free trip to New Orleans, it isn't. So what I want to do today is give you guys an opportunity to give towards this. So we're going to take an offering in a minute. And we want to give you the opportunity to say to invest into the youth, invest into the next generation. Say, I believe that what you're doing here is valuable. I believe I want to help you find your purpose. I've seen so many churches where the youth are not present. They're nowhere to be found. And the churches are going to die out once their youngest member dies out. And I don't want to see that happen here. Uh, we, sh- we need to be equipping our youth. We need to be encouraging our youth. We need to be giving them opportunities to find their purpose in Christ so that they can go forward and take up the banner, to take over our churches, to b- become the leaders God has called them to be. So in just a minute here, I'm going to have the ushers come forward. Um, I'm going to pray for the offering, and I'm actually going to have one of the youth come up here and give a spoken word, but Let's just pray for your offering. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these youth that are in fire for you. I thank you that they desire your purpose. They desire to discover your purpose. And I thank you that we have a body that's willing to invest in that and to sow into giving, helping them discover that purpose. I pray you bless everyone who gives, God. I pray you bless everyone that ends up being touched by the ministry that's done on this missions trip. Help us, Lord by your Holy Spirit to discover our purpose in lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, hold on, Allie, I want to introduce Allie for you today. Allie Kleiner, if you could come up here. (laughs) 
Ellie's another youth I'm very excited about. She's excited about Jesus. She's another one who's going to be going on the missions trip. And she's going to have a spoken word for you as the ushers collect offering. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. So today I will give no place to fear or failure. I will not accept a trace of apathy in my attitude or actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness which God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted me. I will fight. I am unashamed to represent a kingdom that is unshakable. No one will be able to stand against God's plan for me all the days of my life. With my God, I will advance against every troop. With his help, I will scale every wall. Though my enemy surrounds me, my God surrounds my enemies. Though they come at me one way, they will flee seven ways. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will fight. I will make no excuses, but through every obstacle, I will find a way. I will not procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not waver when I am weak. I will not cower when my circumstances turn for the worst. For greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I will fight. My heart is steadfast. My purpose is immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. And my potential is unlimited because the limitless God lives within me. I will fight. Thank you, Ali. That was amazing. There was a famous apologist who was at a university, and during one of his um, teachings, he was speaking in front of a crowd during the lecture. One of the students got mad, stood up, because he was talking about how meaning is only discovered through Christianity. And this guy stood up and he said, how can you force this Western idea of everything needing a meaning in life? And the apologist looked at him and said, well, I guess my answer depends on whether or not you want it to be meaningful. And everyone just laughed. And he said, the apologist said afterwards, he could still see the guy mulling over his head about what just happened. Because reality is, meaning is important in this life. And so many of us, we've tried finding meaning in work, in things of this world, in our kids, and whatever it is. But no matter what we search for, everything can be lost. And so many people find themselves losing so much and finding a life without meaning. The reality is, the things that are perishable, the meaning, you will always come up empty because your meaning isn't meant to be found in that. Our meaning's meant to be found in God. Our meaning comes through living out and discovering the purpose of God for our lives. So I'm going to have everyone bow their heads and we're going to pray in a minute, but if you found yourself thinking, you know what? My life doesn't seem to have meaning. If you find yourself searching for that purpose and you 
you don't have it yet, I'm going to invite you to find it, to find your purpose in God. But the first step, first step obedience to finding your purpose in this life, the first step in finding the meaning in life is giving your life over to the God, the benevolent God who died on that cross for you, who gave everything up for you. So with every head bowed and all eyes closed, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to give your life over to him, I just want you to raise your hand right now. And we'll pray with you. All right, we're going to pray today. Everyone repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave me purpose that you give my life meaning I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead and I declare right now that Jesus is Lord Amen Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.